Welcome to machine learning. I uh, just finished the uh, linear modeling and uh, it was uh, uh, towards the end we were talking about trying to figure out confidence interval and uh, looking at the distribution and uh, and bootstrapping. So. Um, so bootstrapping to randomly taking samples from your your general population and create a, a sample population and uh, and then from there um, calculate uh, your your error and um, was kind of interesting because what they wanted to do is they took a, a sample and then they shuffled the sample and then they looked at the distributions between the two samples and the distributions weren't the, exactly the same so what they did is they kind of like separated it they had um, a short duration sample and a long duration sample based on time so they created these two different groups and then they um, and then they sampled it and then they shuffled them all together and then they uh, looked at the distribution and I guess what they were trying to figure out is if there was randomness in the distribution and uh, so in the case where they were looking at the hiker, uh, they hikers data, where they were looking at distance and time. What they had done was looked at an estimate. So they got a statistical estimate based on the coefficients a a naught and a one. So they used a Gaussian model. And, uh, and they, they were able to make a prediction. And then they wanted to see if, if that prediction, uh, what would the level of randomness to that prediction was. And, uh, and when they got done, they, they use a p-value. So they set a condition uh, where it's less than a statistical mean and if you remember in statistics the there's a certain range where the mean sits and then if your value is way outside of the mean then it uh, disproves the null hypothesis so if you have a low p-value then it means that the hypothesis is true and uh, in this case with the hiking the p-value came back and it was 12% uh, so what that meant was based on the prediction that it's and the condition on that prediction that it was 12% chance of being a random number that it would it would not be close to the, the actual um, 
predicted value. And so the, they, using standard deviation, you're able to see if your predictions or your probabilities fall within your confidence band of 95% or 2%. And uh, I, personally, I don't really have a, a strong grasp on that idea. Um, however, I can see, I can kind of see what they're trying to do. And uh, that is, if you can look at a, if you can look at a bootstrap sampling, and uh, and then get a fairly good idea of where your confidence in intervals are on that sampling, then look at your prediction, and then figure out a p-value on it between two population groups. You may be able to determine the degree of the likelihood or the probability that that answer is right. And so, you know, using these statistical methods, um, you're able to, to, to look at your prediction and, and know within a certain range of the probability of being right. And there's a lot of reasons why the, the, the probability or the statistics could be wrong, the predictions could be wrong. Maybe your, your sensor data, like for your IoT devices, are, are not correctly calibrated and they're pulling in the wrong data. Or maybe the data was collected manually and then <clears throat> there's errors in the manual entry of the data. And then the third thing is there's this element of randomness that there, there's just some random um, possibility that the prediction is wrong. Uh, you know, and when you think about that, if you're driving a car, and a self-driving car, and there's, it, there's uh, predictions that are being made based on different coefficients that are coming into the to the machine and it suddenly does something that uh, is statistically random you know that would be kind of catastrophic so it, it makes me kind of wonder in some ways how it does its math if it's doing it based on prediction or if it's following uh, curve fitting algorithms calculating splines based on the previous spline path and then knowing areas that are available ahead of it. So it's saying, okay, this is a road, this is not a road, this is, uh, here's where the road lines, the center of the road is, here's the, road, the white line on the right side of the road, and, uh, you know, there's trees here, but they're, they're not a part of the road, and and then it's saying, well, what's the what's the best probable place to, to calculate your spline? And uh, uh, maybe it's a flat surface. So within the, the bounds of the road and on the flat surface, then it assumes that that's a road. But what happens if you got into a terrain where it was not flat and there were potholes and or there were holes in the road? Um, so like in the winter time when there's you know sometimes where the 
road has big potholes in it. Does it see that pothole and say that that is not, that is part of within the, the bounds of the road, but this is an anomaly. This is something that uh, uh, should be avoided. So it's, it's trained on a pothole and it tries to avoid running over the pothole. So that would be a question uh, on how the algorithm would deal with that because now you have an, an object in the road that you're, you would prefer not to, to uh, run over and uh, because of damage to your tire and car that could occur. And it could, and if the, sometimes those potholes can get big enough that it could probably cause an accident. Um, and for whatever reason that the highway department hasn't maintained it and come out and repair those. Maybe they can't because of weather conditions. And I know uh, when we had a really bad winter that there were numerous potholes that were in the road. I mean, they were gigantic holes. And, uh, uh, there were cars that had hit those and some of them had caused damage. <clears throat> but they couldn't get there because of the excessive amount of snow that was coming down that year. It was like the worst snow in 185 years in Idaho. And it was uh, unbelievable. And they had whole sections of road that were damaged and that had to be uh, repaired later. For a long time, they couldn't get to those those areas of the road, and so these potholes kept getting bigger and bigger as heavier trucks um, would hit those holes and, and damage the road further. If you were in a self-driving car, if it had it came to the, seeing those potholes, would it identify um, them and be able to avoid them? Same with the construction zone, where you have cones that are up. You know, it's it's identifying those traffic cones and some of them what if someone knocked over one and is laying partially down in the road but it still identify that as a traffic cone that was in the road and and uh, to avoid hitting it and running over it so you know th those are things that human beings would uh, be able to identify and then respond conditionally to and make a uh, and make decisions on. Um, and so how would the machine be able to do that? Would it run it through a decision tree? And, uh, and would it, if it couldn't identify the object, would it say that the object is not on a flat surface and therefore it should, it should be uh, avoided? And the same like the signs that are in the middle of the road. That's another thing that's kind of strange now that they're starting to put, they're starting to put concrete dividers in the middle of the road and, you know, you don't want to hit those because you can high center your car on them. Uh, same with signs in the middle of the road. <clears throat> you don't want to uh, be trying to navigate to a left turn and, the, and there's a sign uh, in the middle of the road as you move into that middle media and run over the sign. So those, those are things that would be, have to be um, planned for. And there, there's probably a safe negotiating lane where it's, you know, it's marked that you can turn so you can enter into that middle lane median 
and then you can turn left. So in the case where there's no traffic signs to stop, the, the self-driving car would have to enter into the median, decide that, um, that it was safe to proceed in a left-hand turn, there's no oncoming traffic, and uh, <clears throat> proceed to, to make the turn and uh, be in the correct lane as it turns. No, it's kind of interesting too. There's uh, talk about um, competitive advantage. It says uh, the author in Complexity Advantage says an employee is an autonomously intelligent problem solver. The hierarchy of agents and leaders. Leadership is gained by compet competence and not position. And that's a that's interesting because that would suggest that your your leaders, your management, um, has got there because of their uh, accomplishments and not because of the the particular position that they that either they have really good problem solving skills, people communication skills. Uh, there was some level of proficiency that they had that allowed them to. Uh, to be in that position. Uh, the second point is groups of employees are attracted together in a self-organizing manner led by a leader with vision and comprehension. And th that's kind of like, it works similar to the way fractal patterns do. They, they're simple algorithms. They follow um, different geometric algorithms and some of them are recursive and others are just uh, uh, they're, they're polar coordinate equations and then you just feed in uh, a theta or a value and, and then they build a pattern but the pattern is uh, self-referential. So, same with computer automa. They're simple algorithms that build complex structures. And so in the sense of self-organizing, employees are a lot like self-organizing patterns. They identify uh, things that work, they get the work done, and, and those patterns that are acceptable by the company as the results are positive for the company. They, they produce um, they produce positive outcomes. Also, then if your if your if leader is in a position because of confidence, he can have has the knowledge and the technical skill to direct the group in the correct direction. So they're everyone's doing different things, but he's leading and understanding what the group is attempting to do and he's leading that group in the correct direction and uh, that takes some skill because if you're moving let's say you're moving a company and you decide to, to move everything in a different direction um, you don't want to alienate your customer base or uh, develop a skill sets in areas that are 
going to be a distraction to the company. They, they need to be something that uh, helps the company move forward with their goals and objectives. And, um, and that's what a, a good leader does. But this idea of self-organizing behavior is interesting because it suggests that companies are complex systems and they don't, uh, and they're following um, lots of, of dynamic patterns and adjusting to those dynamic patterns as uh, circumstances dictate. And so even though there's things and patterns that are very predictable, that are recognizable, there's going to be new emerging patterns that are going to be different. Energy is the lifeblood of the group. Energy, complexity, awareness, product, light and energy are the first, are first, then product. The world is becoming more complex. Decentralized autonomous agents working in cooperative networks is the only way to accurately and effectively deal with complex systems. No one person knows everything about the system. The system is constantly changing and by transformed by autonomous agents. Autonomous agents seek to remove behaviors that drain energy. The group with the best energy and cohesion called synergy profits. Profits equals energy. Energy is better than money as a motivator because humans have emotion. A programmer integrates in with the group dynamic and learns and improves with the group. Plan, decide, act, and evaluate is continuous improvement model. It is better to have a reduction in group size and maintain expected production demand versus bringing in new individuals into the group and disrupting the system. That's the Mammoth Man Hour book that talks about that uh, how the adding new people to the system can cause distractions. A company is composed of numerous autonomous, intelligent, and responsible individuals committed to delivering satisfactory products and services to their customers, resource and organize according to customer need and requirements. In conclusion, traditional organization uh, management breaks down because it does not address the energy of the groups and driving forces for excellence. Bureaucratic leadership is wasteful because it governs by fear. Fear is wasteful and inefficient. Planning is critical to fast-changing environments. Planning brings together the elements of leadership, vision, and direction. Commitment drives innovation and problem-solving. Energy ensures that the dynamics of the organization are fair. Nonlinear thinking suggests parallel development, multiple pro project sponsorship, and heavy reliance on heavyweight project managers. Yeah, that heavyweight project manager is how Toyota uh, runs their business. It's often said the only way to get employees motivated is to give them ownership in a company. On the surface, financial coercion seems to work, but quality suffers. A company with good energy, culture, and environment will break traditional norms and work together cooperatively. Cooperation creates networks, group learning, better cooperation. Competition is a deadly hidden um, chasm. Two people competing against each other seek the destruction of the others. Whereas cooperation and, and coordination share knowledge, modularize design, and, sh and communicate better together.
principle one, build a model of trust that will empower the employee to understand complexity and integrate in a self-organizing system. Principle two, uh, create a stand process on large scale. As leaders, we must work at all levels to help establish and sustain flexible, semi-permeable boundaries that enable yet contain self-organization. Each uh, boundary will by necessity be binding, elastic, uh, simultaneously a buffer and conduit requiring different infrastructure than we had in the past. Principle three, the business enterprises are better conceived on the network model. The bi biggest challenge is to use all the talent inherent in the workforce. The opportunity to strive as learning, contributing individual, and part of the successful global enterprise is equally compelling. Principle four, recruit diverse talent into the enterprise by increasing the potential for rich feedback. Uh, principle five, drive out fear. Principle six, build commitments across boundaries. Boundaries are used by the system component to help in self-regulation by containing energy and filtering information to prevent overload. Boundaries that stabilize the system uh, to uh, reduce rigidity. Uh, principle seven, continuously improve by making teams, uh, making team intentions, interactions, and interme intermediate uh, status visible to team members. That provides direction to feedback that will expand the boundaries and resources. Principle eight, foster enterprise learning and new mental frameworks. Principle nine, share individual learning. Uh, change is too rapid and time too short for all of us to keep up with everything that is occurring. Principle 10, uh, teams share common urgency purpose, understanding visible methods of working reciprocal cooperation. They become self-similar regardless of team composition. Principle 11, a mathematical statistical model is generally much less expensive than a market trial. And that's kind of what I've been looking at in machine learning is how to use uh, statistical models to simulate and predict uh, things like customer churn, uh, fraud and detection, and uh, correlation between prediction of uh, numerical amounts. Principle 12, by wasting intelligence, reason, power, and adaptability of human beings, mindless compliance causes us to lose enterprise money and customers not mentioning the pride of those capabilities are ignored. Remove waste. Principle 13, new creative ideas and unique knowledge are the main resources that provide enterprise with the edge. New ideas and unique knowledge are the main resources that provide enterprise advantage. That's the whole thing of this book, was to get us to realize that creative ideas, creativity, and unique ideas are what are gonna give you the edge. So everything that you're doing is to build this level of creativity. Commitment to sharing interests, motivation, talents, and information. Creativity is not mechanical. Divine inspiration is genius. Mozart, Beethoven, Einstein, touch that divine. Evolution cannot deal with the catastrophic change. Fitness equations and peaks cannot predict the future. All biological <coughs> algorithms have done well-defined constraints and require an intelligence to formulate the rules. Rules reduce the computational impossibilities hidden in the genetic algorithms. 
rules are discovered, not evolved. Okay.